You're listening to The New Leaf Project, sharing stories from instigators, innovators, planters and starters from across Canada. Hi, I'm Jared. My name is Al. And you're listening to The New Leaf Project. On today's episode, we have, it's a contributor episode. It's one of our first. Yay! In fact, it is our first, Yay! isn't it? It is. And uh, this is coming from our buddy, Jason Tripp who is sitting down with a guy named Dave Lombardo. And he is pastoring a vibrant group of students and young leaders at the People's Church in Toronto. And now, the People's Church is not necessarily a part of the New Leaf Network. And Dave isn't necessarily a part of the New Leaf Network. But what he's talking about, he's singing our song, El. He's talking about the nuns and the duns. And he is focused in on youth culture. And he's helping us think about how do young people uh, connect with their faith. And I, I, mm-hmm. I, I love this conversation. I think it's really good. Jason did a great job. Yeah, he did. I think uh, we've talked a lot about the nuns and the duns, but to be fair, we haven't really talked about ministering to millennials yet and how we create this culture um, where we can welcome the unchurched and the, and the de-churched, the nuns and the duns um, with young people. So I, I found a fascinating conversation. I'm really grateful that Dave is is slogging it out and doing the hard work with young people um, in this culture, in this day and age. It's It's got to be hard work, but yet very rewarding. So I was grateful to hear from him and uh, we're excited for you to have a listen. So thanks to Jason for a great interview and uh, to Dave for sharing his story. So let's give it a spin. I am uh, privileged to be joined by Pastor Dave Lombardo today. Dave Lombardo is a youth pastor at the People's Church in Toronto, and we're actually uh, recording this episode at beautiful Pine Orchard Camp just outside of Newmarket, Ontario, where Dave and myself have had the privilege of uh, serving together at their family camp, and I thought uh, I'd just take a few minutes with Dave to uh, talk about ministry, talk about his life story, his journey, and some things that uh, God has been putting on his heart. So welcome, Dave. It's great to have you joining me today. Nice to be with you. Thank you for the invite. Maybe you can just uh, tell us a little bit about who you are, your journey, what's brought you to uh, the place and the ministry calling you're in now. So why don't you just take a few minutes to uh, tell us a bit about uh, your journey of faith. Yeah, for sure. Well, first off, uh, I'll tell you that I'm married to Sandra. We've got a boy named Jack who's nearly three years old and a son named Sam who's three weeks old. Um, and we're uh, enjoying our stage of life right now. Yeah, I'm currently serving at People's Church in Toronto, and uh, I started there four years ago, the day after family camp, so packed my bags, basically went home, prayed all night because I didn't know what I was getting myself into uh, at the time. I, I've, I grew up going to church, attended not just a Pentecostal church, but an Italian Pentecostal church, part of the IPCC um, in Canada, and so my parents were saved out of Roman Catholic roots, but we never really had any of that. We spent a lot of our time in church, when I was around 14 years old, um, I professed faith, had spent a lot of time with my youth pastor, had been baptized in water, um, and believed in God, but then a whole bunch of political things went terrible at our church, and that drove me away. I figured if people who represent God are like this, uh, then maybe God is like this too. And so journeyed away from him for a long while and my parents were good and faithful and loved me and were very patient with me um, but still wanted nothing to do with the church while I was away I I believe there was God I just had wanted nothing to do with following him um, because of the people who had reflected him to me and uh, when I was about 18 or 19 um, in my later years of high school I started playing in a heavy metal band and we did quite well in the Toronto scene we got a little bit of traction we were starting to make some money and uh, I was at a concert, not playing, but attending a concert, and 
the uh, singer from one of the bands kind of went on an anti-Christian rant and there's like a thousand people in this um, concert venue and as he was talking it was as if a camera zoomed in on my face and it was like he was talking right to me and I was it was almost as if as he had this anti-gospel anti-God kind of thing I was almost feeling in my in my guts like you can't say that those are my people what are you doing that really messed with me because I hadn't been hadn't had much to do with God for a number of years and so I um, went home and was spiritually messed up by that uh, eventually not long after within a couple of months I actually quit that band because I knew that um, that was taking me in a direction I didn't want to go um, and in that process of trying to figure out what was happening in my life um, I interacted with a guy named Gary Coburn who was serving with Youth for Christ at that time played basketball and he just kind of took me under his wing and started asking me spiritual questions and started playing, you know, basketball turned into coffee, turned into lunch, turned into a lot of time. Eventually, um, he gave me opportunities to lead there and eventually I was on staff and took over that drop-in center. So that's kind of the way um, that my journey has gone. Since then, um, a number of years I worked in partnership with Youth for Christ. I think they're a wonderful organization internationally, but in Canada they're doing some really cool things on the front lines of some really wonderful things with teenagers. And uh, I was in a partnership with a ch smaller church where I got to do absolutely everything. Preach to the seniors, preaching to the kids, teaching the kids, do day camps, all sorts of things. Uh, teen Teenager ministry. Um, then my wife and I went on a missions trip together and we were together for 10 days, but we shared a small little house in, in Costa Rica with like a piece of cardboard dividing us from the other couple. And we had no privacy all week. When we landed back in Toronto, the next day we had to go on a road trip where we drove a couple hours away and we just kind of debriefed the whole thing. And that whole time God was telling me it's time to move, something's happening. And my wife had felt the same call. I was feeling it in terms of a move in ministry because I had uh, discerned within my life at that time that I, I was falling more into a shepherding, uh, that my gifts are more in shepherding as opposed to the outreach component of things. And um, what was cool at that time as well, there had been another guy who was just making things happen and was connecting with kids and just he was so he's wired for that that's for sure what he's called to do to be out to be an evangelist to be mm -hmm. going out and meeting people and i was getting to the point where i was frustrated with not having that a gift mm -hmm. um and so that's where i was at and my wife was like well i think it's actually time to move house we had been talking about moving to another part of the gta to be closer to family so all that happened at once and uh, we moved away. I was unemployed for a number of months and that was really challenging for me. I did some itinerant camp stuff, which was cool, but it wasn't as fulfilling as I sure. thought it might be. And uh, eventually I interviewed at People's and ended up there, which is a very different context. We have mm -hmm. people at People's Church who I'm certain were born in the pew. And <laughs> they they have had, because we've had it, we do have a radio and television ministry. It's, it's kind of a different version of church than what I was used to, which was more community oriented. So I've had to adjust. It's organizationally much larger. Um, and so the first couple of years that I was there, I was trying to keep my head above water, surviving, um, uh, taking over uh, or taking on rather the youth ministry, which um, had been developed, but turned into more of a social club. And I think even the folks that were running it at the time would admit that um, we've talked about it frankly before. And so that was, um, they were primed for a pastor to come in and start adding in some strategy and sure. some discipleship. So I, I, I inherited uh, a, something that was primed and ready to go. Mm -hmm. And we've been there for, like I said, four years and enjoying it. Mm -hmm. It's never easy. Anybody in ministry knows that. So oh, it's yeah. like you don't even need to say it. 
Yeah. Um, but it's been fulfilling because we see God doing some wonderful things. That's awesome. I just want to kind of highlight a few things that you said when you're unpacking your journey, Dave. You talked about in your own journey when you sort of were de-churched or walked away from the church for a season. Certainly, um, as most Christians or certainly those in ministry have observed in our culture, there's been a shift where, uh, as people call it, the rise of the nuns and the duns, those that either have no religious affiliation or they're, they're done with church for whatever reason. And, and as someone who has both lived that in your life and now you're seeing that and uh, wrestling with that um, in ministry, particularly ministering to the youth, young adult culture, what have been your personal observations of why? What are the reasons that young people are, are leaving the church or are tempted to do so in your estimation? One reason in particular that I've noticed is that it came to a point where it was not their choice. And so I, I suppose that their parents or guardians or whoever had been the main influence, you get to a point in your life where you're coming to church, whether you like it or not, yeah. and you kind of submit to that. And then you get to a, a stage where, no, 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 I make my own decisions now, mm-hmm. or I'm trying to, and it always becomes a fight. And so it doesn't, I find that in certain instances, the fight has not been for the child, but the fight's been with the child. Mm-hmm. And that's it's nuanced, but it's something worth paying attention to. If we're fighting for our children and that we want them to be, or fighting for the next generation, whomever it might be, if we're fighting for them, it's because we want them to know the living God. Mm-hmm. And we have to learn how to compromise and we have to learn to meet them where they're at. If we're yeah. fighting with our child, it's get in the car, we're going to church. Sure. And I've had students that are sent to my ministry, um, and I say that intentionally, sent to my ministry as a punishment. <laughs> but I got in trouble for doing this, so my mom and dad are making me come to youth for a week, or for a month, and I have to get on the phone with the parents and say, what the heck is wrong with you yeah. you're turning the youth group into a punishment yeah. when they already don't want to come right. so that would be one in particular and i think the other thing that we've noticed or that i've noticed has been um when we don't allow a safe place for questions uh and doubts um and and that comes i, I i've seen parents who just are ill-equipped mm. so i'm not i don't want to point fingers or blame sure. anybody but if your children have a question for you and you don't have an answer mm. um they're poking holes in your faith and mm-hmm. then parents can snap on that and say, well, look, I believe that my mother believed it. My grandfather, on and on and on. Right. No, but why do you believe it? Sure. And so kids are looking for, no, why do you believe they want to know experientially, um, what you, how you've experienced God. How did you come to this decision intellectually? Was it something supernatural that took place? What was it? And many people aren't saying, I don't know. I'm not sure. Let's go find out. Instead. They're saying, well, you shouldn't be asking questions like that. Mm-hmm. Shut it and, down right oh, away. Oh, shut it down. Yeah. And it just, it just again, it's not fighting for, it's not walking with. It's sure. it's like they're pitted against each other. So those have been two of the things. Mm-hmm. So let's just hover over that sort of mm-hmm. creating a space for honest questions, doubts. W- w- why do you think... Uh, people want to shut down those conversations. Why do you think? And it's not just parents. I mean, it could be could be ministers, it could be pastors, sure. it could be peers, friends, parents, grandparents. What do you think is under the surface of why they're not embracing and and accepting these questions and honest doubts? Perhaps uh, they've not had that opportunity in their own life, so they don't know how to offer the grace space or that safe space because sure. they weren't offered it either. Right. Um, and so, you know, we can have a whole long conversation about the religiosity of mm-hmm. Christianity, yeah. the religion of Christianity, yep. which is something different than what we're after. Um, so I think that's part of it. I think also uh, there's their own habitual spirituality, um, which is, well, you know, or the routine spirituality, which mm. they don't necessarily have room for a freshness. Um, and I'm, I mean, I don't know what people are doing in their quiet time uh, or loud time, whatever you call yeah. it at that time. I don't know sure. if they're getting after the Lord in, their, in the word and praying and all that stuff on their own time. 
but if you're not digging deeper to discover more questions, to then search for more answers, to then have that relationship where you're moving, yeah, uh, then how do you possibly how do you possibly provide that space for your children as well? So, in youth ministry, then in your context, how do you how do you embrace and invite those questions? How do you create that culture? I mean, what we're trying to do is create a culture. And I think the church needs to create a culture that invites some of those honest questions. Now, there's a there's a difference between honest honest seeking skepticism and like cynicism. Sure. And so how do you discern an honest question in doubt versus someone who's just trying to, yeah. trying to pick a fight with you? And how do you, how are you, how are you creating that culture in your ministry context? For sure. So one of the, the most significant components of our, of our ministry is our life groups. So we, we do our best to get um, every student into a group of eight or 10 kids that are in their age and gender grouping. Uh, so simply put, all the grade seven boys are together with yeah. two leaders, which are normally uh, adult leaders, 18 and up. Um, and so the purpose of those life groups is because we have to shrink down the space and the size mm-hmm. for them to have those conversations. Right. For some, eight eight people is too many to talk with. Mm-hmm. Um, in the life group, it's also our leaders, our life group leaders are not life group teachers. Mm. Um, they're facilitators. Yep. Their main objective is to talk less than anybody else. Gotcha. And so this happens in our setting. Uh, typically, there's like a hangout time. Then we have uh, the teaching that takes place with big games and, and announcements. And then we do the teaching. And then they go off into their life groups immediately that same night. Uh, and so the, it's fresh on their minds. Mm. They spend longer in their life groups than they do getting uh, have, uh, hearing the teaching. Um, which was a shift we had to make. Life mm-hmm. groups were really just, you know, let's catch up and pray for each other for a time. And we yeah. said, no, let's let's capitalize on this time when they're together to mm-hmm. have them chew on this. Yep. Um, and typically the questions we ask uh, are skeptical or, or, or not, not skeptical, but they push back and challenge intentionally whatever has just been spoken. Now, if I'm teaching, I'm writing those same questions. Sure. So I have to write these questions that are from the perspective of somebody who might disagree with what I'm actually saying. Mm-hmm. To provide them a model to say, oh, I can ask questions like that. Yep. So our facility, our groups leaders will take those and say, okay, here's the question that was written. It doesn't matter who wrote it. Mm-hmm. They'll reword it. They'll tweak it. They'll, they receive those questions earlier on in the week, typically. And they know their students. They journey with them for the whole year. Sure. And part of our big picture vision is that they'll walk with those students. Mm-hmm. Actually, we've had uh, one leader, two leaders rather, who went with their kids from grade seven through the end of grade 12 and now are coming back this year to make a decision. Uh, if they're going to walk out or journey on, not walk out, they're not right. leaving our ministry. Sure. Once you're in our ministry, you're always a part of it. But we want to free them to go to serve someplace else. Yep. But they're also deciding, maybe I'll come back to grade seven and start this all over again. Mm. And what's cool about that is we have adult leaders, you know, 25, 26, whatever, who finished all those years. They're coming back to lead grade seven with a student who just graduated grade 12. And now they get to walk in this together. That's pretty awesome. So it's been pretty cool. Yeah. We're, we're just starting to see it because, I mean, some of our long-term planning, you need to take six to eight years to actually see a rotation. Yep. A generation go through so so it sounds like a healthy environment where you're disciple making yeah. you're making disciples who will go and make disciples so totally. it's something that's reproducible yeah which is so important yeah. in the church these days yeah. so what what are some of these major questions that that you keep bumping into what are some of the major questions or doubts that uh some of the teens and, and college age students are asking what are they wrestling with these days yeah the the reliability of scripture is a huge mm-hmm. one yeah i would notice simply some of the things we come across in scripture is totally bizarre so yeah. so there's not just the fact that no that sounds so bizarre it must be made up mm-hmm. but there's also the second question which is saying well if it happened then why doesn't don't things like that happen now yep. and that's a legitimate question absolutely, absolutely. I, I still i mean yeah. I'm, not, I'm not resolved on yeah. some of those things um i've i'm at peace mm-hmm. i feel reconciled I, I don't feel they don't keep me up at night anymore sure um but they do 
cause me to have long conversations over mm-hmm. good coffee mm-hmm. about yeah. some of those things. Oh, yeah, right? I believe it. Um, so that that would be one. Uh, the problem of suffering and evil is... Yeah, any, uh, that'll never go away, that no, question. I mean, in yeah. any version you can think of it, one of the things we did, dis, dis, we, we learned to differentiate, if I'll comment on that one in specifics, was it seems as if when I was growing up, my questions were big, like, you know, if God is real, why is there hunger in Africa? Simple question, very uneducated, because mm. Africa's huge, and yeah. all these kinds of things. It seems to me now it's not where is God because of this problem in the world, but the questions are more like where is God when I'm cutting? Mm. Still the same issue. Yep. Still the problem of suffering, problem of evil, yeah. but now it's way more personal. Yes. And so it's not this this division because, you know, God's abandoned, seemingly abandoned all these people in another part of the world, but more so, no, no, I was by myself in that room and nobody knew what I was doing. And yet mm-hmm. this God says he knows me personally. Mm-hmm. Why didn't he stop me? Mm-hmm. Um, or where was, you know, God when my dad suffered and died or questions like that. So yeah. that personal uh, attachment to it is something I've noticed even I've only been doing this for 10 years or so yeah. um, but I've noticed that shift from the big picture to way more personal mm-hmm. now which plays out in terms of how we train our kids and, and how they're going to interact with their own friends their their friends are asking the same kinds of questions uh, about the personal side of things um, right I would say also lastly maybe um, for the last for example would be the discussion of LGBTQ plus mm-hmm. and my it's no longer hypothetical conversations about people who we've heard of that are homosexual what do we do if yeah. but now it's my aunt or my uncle yeah. now it's Son, my best friend neighbor. yeah yeah and it goes both ways I've got yeah. I've got parents who come and say my kids talk about their gay friend should I stop them and um, well, we have to talk about what you mean by stop them. What, yeah. what, what, like, can we even have a discussion? And so that that in particular has been very significant in our own ministry. We did a short series on um, how does God define human sexuality, where we we asked all sorts of questions, and we had students coming. Um, one student in particular trying to sort out whether or not he was bisexual, and it's not just like this. This was deep inside mm-hmm. him that he was trying to sort this out. Teenage boy, graded eleven, I think, um, and playing sports, very athletic guy, getting aroused. What do I do with that? Mm. So is that just a hormonal thing? Is that an orientation Mm. thing? My dad said, I don't have gay genes Mm. or I don't have gay DNA. So just as you keep following the storyline, you just see there's a huge lack of education. What does that mean? Gay DNA? Yeah. Right. That's in error (laughs) to say the very least. That's another podcast maybe. Yeah. That's another topic. But that's, that's the kind of thing. I will say one event we've, we've done, uh, we just had our second one. We've called it big deal questions. It's been done in partnership with RZIM, Ravi Zacharias International mm-hmm. Ministries. And I became friends with one of their apologists and just had coffee and talked and prayed together. And uh, he kind of used me as a sounding board because I sit on, I, I'm connected to a number of networks of youth pastors. And he said, what are the questions? Exact same question you asked me. From that, we've turned it into a gathering that happens once a year. Um, we had this past year about 180 students come together where they have short TED Talk style mm-hmm answering the questions and then go off into breakouts and and dig deeper. And so again, that's providing a place where all the advertisement is all these questions Mm. that they're asking. The first year we did it, we came up with questions that we thought they might want to ask. It was okay. The second year we took questions straight up that they had asked and added in this component where you can now um, anonymously text in your questions. And when you go to a Q and a, yeah. that's texted in like you're oh. getting real deal questions oh, absolutely. Yeah. so that's been a really exciting thing nice. um, not just because it's some event there's a million events sure. but because it's based around this whole idea of creating the safe space mm-hmm. and people who are willing to say yeah you know that's a tough 
good question and not shut it down. Yeah. yeah. So what, what advice would you give? Like, let's say you're, uh, somebody comes up to you at, at a camp and says, you know, I'd like to plant a church or I have a vision for church planting or, or youth ministry. What, you know, what, what are three maybe big pieces of advice based on your own life story and your experience in ministry? What would you, what would you tell them and how would you encourage them? Yeah, I would encourage them first and foremost to, to, cry out to God that he would enable you to participate in creating a vibrant community. Mm-hmm. Uh, vibrant means diverse and diversity is wonderful. Yep. Uh, generational diversity, I think is absolutely clutch. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe, I mean, I'm from Toronto, so I think ethnic diversity, cultural diversity is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and not putting those as a lower on the list. I think they're all equal at priority priorities, but generational pr- uh, diversity is huge. Mm-hmm. Number of churches, I'm not being critical, just talking about what I've seen. Yeah are currently young adult driven right. church plants. And these, what's happened there um, is, you know, people who've grown up in a particular church environment are saying, well, look at this cool hip church. Part of me is like, I'm so glad you're attending a church and you're a part of a community that's growing. And that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. I hope that uh, my prayer is that your church will grow up to be a generation, generationally diverse church. Yeah. But if you're thinking to plant and you're, how, whatever your, your process is, if you're going to start as a small group, or if you're going to do a launch, whatever it is, Invite people who are younger than you and older than you and way older than you mm-hmm. and pe- more, more in those categories than people your own age. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the greatest things I've learned from people who are, you know, five generations ahead of me or whatever it is, you know, 50 years ahead, older than me. Um, and yet working with teenagers has been so eye opening, mm-hmm. that generational diversity. Mm-hmm. I'm studying Psalm 78 right now. Mm-hmm in preparation to preach and if you have time go read it it's a long psalm and i think the point is it's talking about the history uh, of of where the people have been and how god has been faithful and, and on and on and on but it talks about to the next generation yeah. they talk about raising the ne- next generation not by hiding their sins but by talking frankly about yeah. the things they've done wrong and how god has redeemed them even still uh, so there's an authenticity there oh, a vulnerability totally, yeah. totally maybe yeah. that answers some of your other questions before yeah. as well that would be one the other thing that i wrestled with um I, i'm I am working through my call to plant or what the next stages will be um, right now. And there was a season not even long ago where I wanted to plant because I wanted to do it my way. And the idea was, well, I'll go and be in charge and I'll call the shots and people will follow me whether they like it or not. And these old guys who think they know what they're doing, who are kind of holding me back. So I felt there, I'll show them. So my advice is don't have that (laughs) attitude. The Lord humbled me in a huge way around that. Um, and I'm glad he did. It was, it hurt like heck, but I'm so glad he did. And, uh, that for me was very important. Now I just say, yeah, it's never about me. Even in our own ministries at our church as they exist, I should be able, it should never revolve around me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working towards getting myself to a place where I don't have the answers to all the questions. Sure. So if somebody comes and talks to me, I say, you have to go talk to this guy or that girl or yep. whoever. Um, that way when the time comes for me to transition, I can, and the ministry will keep going. Yep. If I leave and the ministry dies, I've failed hugely. Mm-hmm. Um, the executive, previous ex- executive director of Youth for Christ used to say, what's going to happen if you walk out of a building and get hit by a beer truck one day um, <laughs> and, and you don't make it? Does your ministry crumble and fall? And if it does, you need to make adjustments right now. Yeah, but also, that's good advice. And I think that'll go into my third one here even is that who's the person that you could always hand it off to. Mm-hmm. So more than just not making it about you, um, are you, we should always be developing somebody that Timothy, uh, yep, Paul, Paul Timothy, Timothy rule, right? Yep. The two thirds yep. rule or however they look at yep. it. I think that is so important. 
Um, and so I've got a couple of guys, just happens that they're guys, I'm trying to find girls <laughs> to come and work uh, in our, as an intern and be a part of our ministry because we need them desperately. Um, but just so happens that I've got two young guys right now, 20 and 22 or something. So they basically fit that rule. Yeah. And uh, I've, I've not answered their texts all week. Um, <laughs> I've had to respond to one email that was kind of pressing all week, but I've the youth ministries in their hands this week. And so we'll go back and we'll debrief and they'll probably be mad and frustrated, mm -hmm. but I'm guaranteed beautiful things will come from that because I don't need to be there all the time. And I've right. spent lots of time investing in them spiritually, not just program, not just what's the protocol, but you know, spiritually, which if we're not healthy spiritually, we're wasting everybody's mm -hmm. time, you know? Yeah. So it's more important for us to pull away and cancel a night of programs to yeah. invest in our leaders or invest in ourselves before just trying to, you know, have another night of programming. I know that's right. tough for some young guys too, because they feel like, well, I get paid to run youth ministry. Mm -hmm. So if I cancel youth ministry, my senior pastor is not going to be cool with that. Right. To which I would say, well, maybe you should go take your senior pastor out for lunch, buy them lunch and don't talk about business. Just talk about their heart and their mm -hmm. soul and develop a relationship. That's sure. not about work, but beyond about, the program, being spiritual yeah. creatures mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. beyond the program. That's so, good. That's good. It sounds like as you're discipling your leaders, there's a time where they observe and they model and imitate you, but there's also a time where they grow in their spirituality and their maturity that you can almost release them. Yeah. And you're not setting them up to fail, but you're, you're empowering them and you're equipping them and you're releasing them. So if and when it comes to the day where you transition out, you know, there's a healthy community, healthy environment, a healthy number of leaders already in place there, right. which is wonderful. And that's what we see in Jesus as he's, you know, discipling his disciples. You know, he's constantly, he's huddling them up. There's times where he huddles and teaches and trains, and then he releases them in teams to go out and when they when they stumble and drop the ball calls them back huddle yeah. up but it's not more it's not rebuke it's like okay what, what, can, what can we learn with this let's get back in the game let's get back out there and i think that's that's a healthy environment you're modeling you know what i'm hearing you say is you're modeling the jesus method of uh, disciple making yeah. which uh which is wonderful um our time is winding down dave um mm -hmm. any final thoughts any final words of encouragement you'd like to share for any of our listeners today yeah i think i'll talk comment briefly again about that diversity factor I would say expose yourself to as many different kinds of people as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. um, I easily start hanging out with people who are just like me. because I'm safe there. Yeah. I'm welcome there. Uh, no one's really going to push back there. Mm -hmm. um, I can be a fiery, passionate loud guy and some of my friends can get like that too and we're well, just you're Italian so. yeah it's, it's in my blood actually <laughs> it's the sauce in my blood I suppose. um and so I've one of the things I've grown to love about peoples is that it is non-denominational so we've got people from all sorts of backgrounds and I've grown so much mm -hmm. um and that would lead to the idea of not just exposing yourself to different people but network with them um, share the things that you have, have those things in common. And so, yeah, you might have different interpretations and different ecclesiologies and, and different things like that. But, you know, if you get after trying to reach the lost and you can pool resources, human resources and financial resources, pooling human resources is often harder than simply pooling financial mm -hmm. resources. Yeah. If you can pool your, your human resources, the finances to help you do a particular project, whether it be, you know, big youth event, a big church event, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Work together on those kinds of things and seek, um, seek, uh, God on behalf of your city. And, uh, that's just a reminder. It's, we ought to, on behalf of these other people, be seeking God for them and, and working together to reach them, uh, for his glory, mm -hmm. uh, and, and our joy in the process. I think God allows us to 
engage in these things. And that's a wonderful gift. Amen. So yeah, I will give a hearty amen to that. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Dave Lombardo here. We're recording at beautiful Pine Orchard Free Methodist Camp just outside Newmarket, where I've had the privilege of getting to know Dave and serving alongside of him this week. And wonderful to hear good things happening in your family and your, in your ministry context. And we wish you and People's Church all the best on the good work you're doing in the, in the GTA. And uh, just want to uh, give a shout out to all of our listeners. Uh, if you want to give some feedback, if you have any further questions, as we're talking about the value of questions, you can jump on our, our Facebook page. We'd love to hear your feedback. We'd love to hear if you have any questions about future content on this podcast. Uh, we want to build a community beyond the guests we have on this program. Uh, whether you're a follower of Jesus, you're an explorer, or whether you're uh, maybe you're a skeptic, but you're uh, you're interested in, and you have some questions, we'd love to hear from you. So thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks again to Dave Lombardo for being here with me today. Take care. God bless everyone. That was Jason Tripp and Dave Lombardo talking about ministry to millennials. That's a really important topic. Uh, a lot of church plants actually don't have youth groups. They don't. They they they, they don't have the resources to to have a, a youth ministry, and it's actually mm-hmm. kind of a scary thing sometimes for our church plants because they start off, you know, twenty uh, somethings meeting. They have kids, and eventually those kids grow up and become teenagers. And and so I was really grateful to have this conversation. Uh, and one of the things that really leapt out at me, and I'm I'm really I was really excited to hear about was uh, when Dave talked about fighting for your teenagers rather than fighting with your teenagers. Now, I Mm -hmm. am a parent of teenagers, and I can tell you, uh, without a doubt, you really have to think about which of those two you're actually engaged in. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I loved when he was talking about the idea of um, coming to church isn't really a choice. And how do you find that um, compromise when it comes to young people? I can remember being um, a teenager and I I didn't have a choice. I had to go to church. It wasn't even a, a conversation. And that idea of how do you compromise? How do you maybe kind of um, I'm not saying you don't make your kids go to church, but this idea of compromising and talking and having this honest conversation with your your youth and your young people, because, um, you know, growing up, uh, I never had that experience of the question of, well, why don't you want to go? Or what, you know, there was just, you're going and that's it. And I would say that that's probably the reality for most young people that I grew up with. But how do we cultivate this kind of conversational culture where you're talking about these things and you know what I hadn't really even considered um, I hadn't considered that from the perspective of a young person and what can create this um, none and done in some of our, our youth so I really appreciate that Dave was sharing that and that was one of my biggest takeaways is um, how do you kind of you know what you were saying how do you fight for them instead of fighting with them and as a parent I can only imagine what how that is a little difficult to, to traverse sometimes but I was really grateful that he shared the story and, and to hear that perspective. So big thanks to Dave and Jason. It's a, this is a huge conversation, Elle. It's, it's really important because specifically in Canada, uh, you know, the fastest growing religious designation, as we've talked about before, are mm-hmm. the nons. Uh, and that's at 24% of the general population. And I've heard numbers that are 12% higher, as much as 20% higher. So this wow. is... This may be a reality for average Canadians, but it's more a reality for young Canadians. And that's mm-hmm. something that, that's why this conversation to me was so important to get out there to New Leafers, get us thinking about it. Planters, please start thinking about young people. Starters, 
listen, young people, uh, th- that they're they're at risk, and and we really need to do a better job of of uh, engaging with them. And mm-hmm. you know, I, it, re- it was really chilling for me when he talked about the fact that you know some parents were using um, church as a punishment. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. I I truly believe it is a sin to bore people with God. And if you have to fight your kids to get them to go to the youth group, you need to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. It could be something like they are they're facing some very powerful questions, some very difficult situations, but it might be, look, youth group might not be that great. Uh and if you're just if you're a church planner and I have all the sympathy in the world for you, you <laughs> want to build everything at once. So friends, do some thinking as you're starting your church about what you're going to do to share to pass on the community's faith onto your kids. Don't make it an afterthought. Don't get mm-hmm. caught by surprise. Uh, teenagers happen. And, uh, and we can do something about that. We can do mm-hmm. some thinking about that. So I'm glad there's somebody out there. I think Dave's got, got us started down a good path of conversation. If you want to reach out, connect with us. We're there on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We, uh, we use all the social medias like the kids today. Um, like so all the kids. Like all the kids. And uh, so if you want to get this conversation started, this would be a good thing to bring up at one of our learning parties as well. If you've got mm-hmm. a great idea, um, we'd love to have you share that with the group. Absolutely. So El, anything else people need to know about uh, um, the New Leaf Network before we hang up the phone here? Learning party coming up April 1st. Check out the website for that. May 19th in the Company of Women. Check out the website for that. Um, and just keep an eye at the website and we'll keep telling you about events and things that are coming up. Thanks for tuning in. Always great to see you and hang out with you, friends. Bye, friends. Thanks for listening to the New Leaf Podcast. You can find us on the web at newleafnetwork.ca or head on over to our Facebook page, New Leaf Network. We have events, workshops, and conversations happening all the time. We would love if you could join us as we share the stories of planters and starters all across Canada.